podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to Forest Focus. This is a slightly edited first few minutes due to some self-inflicted mic issues at my end, but it won't have any impact on what you're about to hear. Uh, Nottingham Forest are still in the FA Cup after their 2-2 draw with Blackpool yesterday. We'll discuss the game and some of the players involved in the company of, first of all, Reds fan Greg Mitchell. Good morning. Good, yeah. Recovering from a, a tad of COVID, but I think we're over it now. So uh, happy days, raring to go. Second guest is former Reds midfielder and Sky Sports presenter David Prutton. Prutz, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy. I was. Do you know what? I I was having a little thought a second ago of whether you would say that on the what date is it today on the eighth? Because I've not spoken to you, and I was going to ruthlessly cut you down in flames and say, "Shut up, ridiculous, way too long." But I'm not. So happy New Year to you both. Lovely to see you both, and it's uh, it's a pleasure to be back. Greg, kick us off. Uh, I was interested looking on Twitter after the game. Half the people were saying, "Oh, the atmosphere was terrible and it was too quiet." Then the other half saying, "Oh, it's great to see." So many people there with families and their kids, their first game, that sort of stuff. So um, what did you make of that? And uh, what did you make of the game, just to get us going? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what was nice before the game. Uh, I met my, my cousin came up from Cornwall for it with his little lad. You know, it's, I think that was his first uh, game at the City Ground since we've been in the Prem. So it's... These cup games are crucial for the new fans because you just can't get tickets in this day and age. And it's brilliant. There's so many could. We walked over Trent Bridge and this dad and lad stopped us and asked if we could take the photo because it was his lad's first game and got about five metres further. And then my wife got asked to take a photo because it was someone else's first game. So I thought it was brilliant. And, you know, the atmosphere, third round FA Cup against no disrespect, League One Blackpool, which, you know, God, don't we sound entitled saying that now, but that's just how it is. The atmosphere was never going to be against, you know, your Liverpools or Chelsea's or what have you. Um, so I didn't mind it. The game itself, though, I mean, God, what a slow start. What a worrying start as well. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. Um, but, you know, we've somehow got our name into the next round, whether we're there or not. The main thing is our name's in the hat and we'll see what happens. So it wasn't a disaster. It was by no means as bad as it could have been. And, you know, I just loved seeing all the new faces there. It was brilliant. All around us, there was people who don't usually sit there. And, yeah, it's great. If we ever get that developed stadium, it's clear that we're going to be able to fill it. I think the thing that came out of what you've just said there with regards to what and it without sounding too sweet as a conversation and, and we'll get into the performance and the and the significance of replays etc in a second but that gateway game into what it means means to be there as a fan and given as you say how in demand it's going to be to get into a premier league game as long as everything goes the right way for forest and it, be, it remains a premier league club of course the the vibe you got the atmosphere inside the crowd did it feel markedly different to what you felt in a premier league game yeah, I mean, I thought Mullikintar was one of the best, to be honest. And my mate next to me said the same. It was brilliant because there's people there who've been wanting to sing that at the city ground for a long while and mm. it just cannot do it. You cannot get tickets. You beg, borrow and steal and getting two tickets together is hard enough. So it's just the perfect opportunity. And that's why I hope we get through Blackpool and, and we don't get the massive Premier League style tie in the next round because it is crucial. You see... Mm. 
the road, Notts County, you know, they're going into schools, giving kids free shirts and tickets. They're doing the exact right thing at this time because, you know, you can't get in at Forest. Come and see our club. It makes sense. So it is, and especially like the financial fair play and stuff like that. We've got to get more seats in that ground, especially whilst mm. the demand's there. So you've got to get these kids in, these six, seven, eight-year-olds. They've got to fall in love with Forest rather than watching another team on the TV. It is where... We're a big enough club, we're a big enough city for it, and we've just got to like strike whilst the, the iron's hot, haven't we, as they say. So it is, it's exciting times. We've just got to keep it going, really, and keep these new fans being able to get into the ground. Is that better? I'm back now. Yeah, oh, way better. <laughs> it was my fault. I'd, was someone it? said it in the comments. I'd selected the wrong mic out yeah. of the three choices. I, I love the fact that you said it was your fault, like <laughs> there was a debate about it being someone else's fault. <laughs> Apologies to everyone. I'll have to um, put a different version on the start of that. But yeah, the hazards of live broadcasting when you think you've got everything set up right and you haven't. Uh, let's get into some more chat then about the game. Amateur. Well done to those two. I think. <laughs> Fortunate to have a professional presenter on the panel and Prot. And Greg was yeah. great. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what will um, Nuno be feeling about having to have a replay, props and the players? Because really the Premier League is paramount. I know I'd love an FA yeah. Cup run, but that, they've effectively removed their own winter break now. I know Brentford have got a replay as well, but it would have been a, an advantage to have some rest when we've got so many players at AFCON as well. Yeah, it would have been. But again, it's it's listening as well to Thomas Frank's take on the situation. And I was reading a few comments from Brentford fans with regards to their injury list. Um, and it's all relative. Each and every club has a different workload, has a different demand, has a different ambition and expectation. We are talking about teams that aren't in Europe. We are talking about teams that um, the, the, what the competitions that they're going in haven't changed. League Cup, FA Cup, League. I mean, not none of this is a surprise to anybody in, involved in this level of football. Um, and it, it's it's unfortunate that they don't get that weekend. I mean, the weekend it, it was just literally a weekend, almost stretched out to a week, wasn't it? The winter break in the middle of what is a very, very hectic season. Um, so there is there is a debate to be had about players playing more than they ever have done, but with the greatest respect to this Forest side, that's the ones at the top of the division. That's them playing internationally all the time. That's them playing in Europe all the time, getting into the deeper echelon, uh, regions of, of, of what these European competitions are. For players in this ilk, in, in this kind of little portion, yes, take away the, the lads that are at AFCON and, and, and away abroad playing in January, this is just the way it is. It'd be nice to have a winter break. Didn't have one for God knows how many years, did we? So it's not it's not beyond the realms of navigation. Plus, everybody, by and large, unless you've got a big super squad, is in the same boat. So nothing much to to, to kind of moan about. Um, the, the, the slightly cynical part of me says that you want a winter break, play better, beat a team out of League One much more perfunctorily and, and get yourself through it. That Don't start sluggishly and have to catch up in a game which you should inherently dominate. But... Again, that's me being cynical and not giving due respect to a team like Blackpool who came to the city ground with absolutely nothing to lose. Are you worried about the replay, Greg? Because oh, they'll probably fancy it now, won't yeah. they? At their place. Yeah, their, their manager's interview after as well, he seemed angry, he seemed frustrated that we'd mm -hmm. suggested the fact that we've got too many games now and he was on about they've already played 36 or something this season. So... Didn't necessarily. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, he was a bit mardy though, wasn't he? I know yeah. that gets us up a bit, and uh, mm. especially after last season, going up there. Oh, that was horrendous. Thinking with this 
fancy Premier League team and getting smashed 4 1. So I really hope we learn from that. And Nuno, Nuno was annoyed. You know, he was really annoyed. You could tell that after the game, he, he had plans to go to, I think they were going to St. George's Park, weren't they? And having a big training like, like camp there. So I imagine that might get quashed now. Um, Christ, winter break in Burton. That's I mean, that's not quite as glam as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, we financial fair play. We can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> Mabel thought it was too far. The brought it close yeah. to the fair. But you know, we can't waste all this now. We have to go and beat them. The worst case scenario now is extra game, missing out on these planned winter breaks, and then losing. Mm. So it's a huge game now, and I'm sure mm. he's going to go up. Mm. I was True. nervous when he pl- played like Gibbs White and thinking, God, what a risk. But didn't we need to? Because Blackpool were ready for the fight. They really were. And um, yeah, we've got to go up and get a result or what a waste. Does it, Does it from a, a gear change point of view, because we've, we've spoken so much this season about how Forest approach games and where we believe um, generally that, that points are, are a good place to be taken from and how uh, Forest is set up to, to navigate games such as that. I'm just looking at a couple of the comments while you're looking at it and thinking that a Forest in a position now where <clears throat> Premier League, League One, you're expected to go and dominate a side such as that. But because they don't do it week in, week out in the Premier League, are they good enough to change gear and then go into that? I mean, a generation ago, that, that the, the mindset wouldn't have been about that. It had been about going out, giving the team that came to travel to you to the big stage, no time on the ball. No time to get comfortable in in possession or in the game, let alone score two very quick fire goals. Um, are, are Forest playing in a different way, which then means, Greg, that they go to these games and kind of scratch their heads a little bit to try and work out. Oh, hang on, we've got to force the issue here. We've got to go and actually take the game to this opposition and dominate them. It was noticeable how different it was yesterday. Just having possession. Uh, there were certain times where you thought, we're not used to this. Blackpool are letting us play this way. Blackpool are playing how we usually play, you know, the high block and mm. giving us the ball. And we were uncomfortable with it. And I think that's why it took us till like quite a bit into the second half to start dominating the game and really make it look like we should have won. Mm. Um, and I think they'll do exactly the same at home. So we're going to have to prepare for that and use this time now instead of preparing for the massive Brentford game you know, to think about playing completely different to how we would against our next opponents in Brentford to how we're going to with Blackpool. So, yeah, it's, a, it's going to be a headache for them, but they're all professionals and you'd imagine there'll be five or six different players playing in this game than there will be against against Brentford, which is the which is the huge game of this whole, whole break and this whole January period. We've got to get something against them. So, yeah, I, I loved it when I found out Brentford had got the replay and they've got another game not expecting we were going to be in the same boat. So, uh, yeah, it's all even now. And I'm just, it does worry me. It does worry me because it's all right saying League One and Premier League. We stayed up by the skin of our teeth and they just went down, didn't they? So mm. the gap isn't as as huge as it looks. And especially after they've played against us now two games in a year, they've won one 4-1 and they've got a draw at the city ground. So um, it'll be a lot tougher than it looks on paper. The trouble is, it's a thing we've seen going back to Steve Cooper as well. It wasn't just yesterday, like against Sheffield United at home where we had more of the ball, we couldn't really break them down. Brentford like to sit in, Burnley as well. The games we expect to dominate or have more of the ball, we just don't create enough chances. We look a bit slow and ponderous on the ball. People in the comments are rightly saying, you know, we don't move it into midfield quickly enough. We still stay play quite deep. 
I mean, what, what I was going to ask you, Prutz, is in these mm. games where you know you're going to have more of the ball, what do you need to do? Do you need to move it side to side? Do you need to pop it into midfield quickly? <laughs> How, what do you do to, to disrupt a team that is, you know, they were well-organised, Blackpool, and, you know, they well, didn't yeah. give us too much space. Well, the reason being, Critch is a good manager, good coach mm-hmm. of players, very good. Yes, he might have had that that little spell at QPR where his fingers were burnt, but no doubt about it, given his... his history at coaching at clubs such as Liverpool. He, he knows how to play football. Um, so I think that no surprise that he he would have absolutely relished going into a game such as this one, knowing that there'll be a lot of um, emphasis on the opposition. And when he gets the ball, they need, needed to be clinical, which they were. Um, I think from the point of view of what this game is, I mean, it's amazing how quickly this has changed around, hasn't it? In the promotion winning season, was it was it a glorious, sunny Spring day up at uh, Blackpool, which was uh, which was just I remember covering the game, which is the joy to Brennan. Maybe got a couple, yeah, four nil. Was it? I got my seasons wrong there. That was the season going up, wasn't it? So, and a delightful little chip that one of one of the goals that he scored going into the eighteen yard box, keeper comes out, reverses it into the into the opposite corner, and and and, um, it was just a wonderful day all round. And then you're reminded of that when I was watching the highlights of it yesterday. Um, Nice big chunk of time on match of the day, by the way, gang. Eh, that's a bit different. Maybe maybe that's the way to do it, um, but the but and then seeing how how these two clubs have just entirely changed the, the mushroom of, of what Forest have done and and where Blackpool find themselves now shows that sliding doors in the Championship moments and where teams can be. But in games, going back to your original question, Matt, in games such as that, it's it's pace on the ball, it's it's positivity on the ball. There was a clip I'd seen on. Instagram or Twitter, where it showed Ange Postacoglu talking at Celtic about what he wanted from his side. And it was always pace on the ball. That is always what moves teams around. Inherently, you should have better players on the ball because you are a Premier League team. Therefore, you can move the ball better, more effectively, more efficiently. Not necessarily side to side, but the, the, those real balls that cut through teams that suddenly get a midfielder looking back towards his own goal and, and sends a halves back pedalling. Uh, and then you play with energy and, and dynamism. It, it's I, I know I might be listing what you would commonly think are fundamentals, but sometimes it can be that mindset where there is that sluggishness that creeps in. Those players that might have not been in the in the team week in, week out, then it's up to their professionalism. It's up to their professional standards to come into the game and make sure that everyone around them is absolutely bang at it. And um, I think as they grew into the game, I mean, a couple of very decent chances. I mean, the one that, at the end that was flashed across goal, which was only kind of half a stud away from getting in. And then suddenly you've got away with one, haven't you? You've kind of got out of jail. You've got the game boxed off. Everyone's been, enjoyed five goals in the game at the city ground and you go off and you think, thank Christ for that. But that doesn't go in. So then you've got the replay. Um, it is it is mostly, Matt, about mobilising technically, in theory, better players um, because fitness levels can be, can be brought together and the aggression can be brought together the uh, the the ambition and the will to win can be very very marginal between the two sides, but technically they should will out. But unfortunately, that wasn't necessarily the case. And then you either put it right against uh, them in the replay, or you get up there things that go right, you forget it and concentrate back on the league. Um, drop a word in for our sponsors as ever, Trent Navigation. Uh, do appreciate their support, and I'm sure they'll send me a graphic in the next couple of days to plug the next event. But do uh, get down and nav if you can. Very grateful for their backing as ever. Um, I mean, a lot of players labour on the ball. Joe Worrell seems to have been singled out massively on every Facebook post I read, Greg, and every Twitter, every tweet about it. And he was culpable. 
Um, but no one was good on the ball yesterday. I mean, I don't like Ryan Yates coming to get it, and I'll ask Putz about Mangala in, in a minute, and Danilo wasn't good. But what was your take on Worrell and the back four in general? Because I, I, I don't think any of them came out with massive credit yesterday. No, first off, I try not to read Facebook comments. Um, yeah, Worrell did off get some stick. There was one point in the first half where he was on the ball, he was looking around to see what was happening, and the crowd just went mad at him. I, I don't think he's recovered from whatever went off before Christmas, if I'm honest. So, um, yeah, he's going to really have to, because I think he's going to have to be used in the next few weeks. So he's really going to have to show good performances to get the crowd back on his side, I feel. But um, I don't think, I think that we, it's hard to say, but I think we're giving him so much stick because we're not used to seeing him on the ball so much. You know, the possession stats were double what we usually get. So, yeah, they, they're going to have the odd bad pass and, you know, a bit different. But we did look a bit laboured. We did look like we thought we were just going to win this one way or another anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And we almost got stung for it and we could still do yet. Um, I liked, uh, was it Tavares when he came on? I thought he was looking all right on the, the left-hand side. Um, and he changed the game a bit. And I thought uh, hudson Adore, he's going to be a star. You can tell he's he's a very, very good player and... He's going to keep going. But apart from that, no one really shone, did they? Would Mr. Sitter at uh, the end of the first half, which could have completely changed the game and how it had gone, uh, which he'd have put in a couple of weeks ago. So um, it was just one of those Premier League against the smaller team and FA Cup third round. It was a classic, uh, almost an upset. But luckily for us, it, it didn't happen and hopefully it won't happen. No, Hudson Adoy was my pick as well, and Tavares mm. was good. I just worry about him defensively in the Premier League. If he was, a, I prefer him as a winger, to be honest. But he made a, a decent contribution when he came on. That, that, I think that game's thing... perfect, isn't it, Matt? You can chuck him on, and because he's not necessarily thinking too much about being um, part of a sound defensive unit, when you are kind of chasing the game as well. If his natural instinct is to bomb forward, it's a perfect game for him, isn't it? So mm. in that sense, so. Sometimes it is literally horses, not literally horses for courses, because none of these people are horses, of course. Um, but the that sense of, in a game such as that, where his ability to get forward, his desire to get forward as well. I forgot about the other wood chance as well, Greg. It, it, it was one of those where you, you're you're almost turning away from the TV, presuming it's going to nestle in the bottom mm. corner, which you kind of felt he was as well, given the form that we've seen him in. Um, so again, on, on a... It's very hypothetical and it doesn't really help when you are breaking down a performance and a result. On another day, Forrester home and hosed 4-2, possibly 5-2, aren't they, in, in that particular sense? And that's not denigrating what Blackpool could do because I thought they were good. But mm. um, again, going back to and, and not meaning to wash it away too quickly, again, playing in, in both ends of this game where there's a presumption that you change the team a little bit, you just get on with it. Sometimes it doesn't work like that. Joe strikes me as a player having spoken to him and having seen him in the Championship and getting up into the Premier League, that absolutely only benefits from playing regularly. Yeah. I mean, some players can be dropped in and out. Some players can go through whatever he's gone through and just kind of crack on with it. Others need routine. And and that's not to say they're better or worse professionals than the next person. Some are just different. The body feels different when you're playing week in, week out, when you've got the trust of the manager, when you've got the trust of the players in and around you. When you're in that position where... You're momentarily second guessing what you're doing. That's 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 about being out of practice in a match day situation. That's about being out of 
uh, your timing and getting that back takes a couple of games. And, and as we well know, it's it's sometimes you don't have the luxury of that, especially in a team such as Forest in the Premier League. Yeah, and I don't want to spec- speak too much to what's gone on off the pitch with Worrell, but obviously he's had his family uh, tragedy with his uncle. And I think, I'm not speaking out of terms, I think he steps up quite a lot uh, away from football with his family in that sense. Yeah. And we don't know what happened with the manager, the former manager. There's two sides to that story. But in a football sense, I just think he looks like Greg Oram said in the comments, he looked very rusty. Yeah. And he did move the ball slowly. Mm-hmm. And I could see what they were doing. A midfielder comes in, I think Ollie said it in the comments, or someone said, a midfielder comes in and takes the ball and you want the centre-halves to split. And they didn't really do that. And no one carried it into their half. Uh, to make an extra man. It just was a bit ugly, but I don't think Joe was the worst player on the pitch. I mean, I can name four players off the top of my head who I thought had worse games. Montiel, Toffolo and the two central midfielders I don't think played well. But it doesn't mean they're bad players. I just think they had a bad game. I don't know. Mm. This is the for- this is a Forest fan and any football fan way, isn't it? You know, people are now doubting Montiel again, who's been our best player in the previous. Yeah, we he, no, he he's a quality player. He is, and he'll probably start against Brentford. Um, I've got, do you know what to think about it? I've got a question for the comments um, from the guy behind me yesterday. Do you know when we had that free kick and Gibbs White's lining up to take it, and we're talking about this new set piece coach and saying, "Oh, this will be interesting." We couldn't think the last time we scored direct from a free kick. And I don't think it's I even... I know the answer. Oh, so... I think it was one... Was it James Garner when he scored from the touchline and he didn't even mean it? That's how Maybe, it was yeah. So it was, it was not even the Premier League era, is it? And, no. you know, it's such a dame. You listen to the ex-Notts County manager talk about corners and, you know, only 4% of corners <laughs> scored. And, think, and it was fascinating. It starts making you think how how interesting it's going to be now with this set-piece coach, whether we're going to change things up and look to get some more dangerous set-pieces, because to not even have scored one yet in the Premier League era is crazy. Not not, yeah. not scored one since Forrest went up? Not direct, not that I not can think of. No. No. God. I think this might be it. The one where we actually meant it. I I, I think Thiago Silva, as Dan says in the comments, he scores at least one or two. So not even under Cooper. When he had a season, I can't remember anyone being on dead balls who was good at them. Garner took a good set piece, but I don't remember him apart from that one against QPR. If anyone in the comments can remember My our God. last free kick, direct free kick, McGugan. Yeah, going back to Lewis McGugan as well, yeah, yeah. then, then we have got issues. Good as much as we love Lewis on here, obviously. <laughs> um, one thing I thought it showed perhaps the game is we, we're missing six AFCON players. Anthony mm. Langer missed the game injured, and I, I'm not convinced that you know he might not be back for Brentford. <laughs> it does show we've got a massive squad, but suddenly the bench looks a bit light, doesn't it? And mm. that's a bit of a head scratcher for Nuno when you need quality subs to come on. We didn't really have too many game changes in there, did we? The the thing I was I was listening to you might have been talk sport for my sins the other day, and they were reeling off. Um, no, it wasn't. I, I, I beg, beg your pardon. It was it was the last episode of the podcast, and, and names that were getting chucked out that you were still kind of going, "Christ, is he still here? Mm-hmm. Is he still here?" And that, I mean, that's never a good position to be in as a football club. The thing, the thing you look at this with with players away at Afcom, and it obviously means that Forest are now attracting a standard of player, which in years gone by, given. Uh, the, the fact that they've not been in the Premier League for such a long period of time is different, and is, and is is part part of something to really really celebrate. The nature of where Afcon falls in the season 
to, to put a lot of eggs in that particular basket uh, from a recruitment point of view, and don't, don't we, I know nothing about recruitment, not how much these players cost, where they come from, what um, wages they're on, how their contracts are, are, are set out at all. But given the fact that it's in, in England, it's, it, it's a mid-season tournament, it, it, does anyone, not, it doesn't strike me as strange, but the fact that there are so many, it is such a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's great, we've got some good players. Oh, right, they're going away for the best part of January, yeah. Which is a really important month, yeah. So, what what's what comes first? That 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 ability to build a squad that's here in demand throughout the whole of the domestic season, or the one that's a bit more cosmopolitan that then maybe attracts more value further down the line if these players then do well for Forest, it being mutually beneficial. I just thought that was given the volume of players when you're looking at that, and then you suddenly like as you say, look at the bench. You make a change with uh, personnel for yesterday, and it's not necessarily thrown up too many solutions. I don't think has it. You've not seen five players there step up to the floor, smash Blackpool to pieces and suddenly gone, right, well, he's missing, so he might be able to drop in. He's missing, so we've got a backup in there. It, I, I've been intrigued to see what Nuno's take on it is this morning, where he's kind of thinking, when he's looking at his big board of players, thinking, well, I thought he might be able to step in, but he's not quite done what I wanted him to do. Does he need a bit more time? Uh, I, th- I just think from the point of view of, of any answers that perhaps we'd all look at going into the game, I, I've got a sense, particularly what you're saying, Greg, you kind of come out of it scratching your head a little bit more with regards to what are now the solutions for the next two, three, four weeks, potentially. Mm. I think uh, with that as well, you'd look at your recruitment and say, oh, we can't have our two central defenders, AFCON players. But then if Mm. there's a a Mo Salah, you're going to sign him even if you lose him for a month of the game, aren't you? It's just, I suppose it's all relevant, but it does seem that we... um, there were so many things to think about with our recruitment. That's probably one small bit that we we may have missed, but yeah. hopefully it shouldn't damage us for too much. That we have got the squad to cope, you'd think, to get through this, and with not the amount of games in Jan, luckily. Yeah, we should be able to muddle through. You don't really want to. I think it's like because it's central defenders is the main issue. We can cope in midfield without Sangare, I'm sure, mm. um, although he's a good player. Um, but yeah, we just looked thin on the ground defensively with. You know, I mean, there's reports that Joe Worrell could leave, which I think without replacing him sounds a bit crazy because they obviously don't seem to like Omar to be ready yet because he was on the bench yesterday. So they're obviously assuming that Worrell's the plan. Scott McKenna is going to go as well, you would mm. think. So, yeah, it what, is what's, what's, what's been the script with Omar I think that he's come in and um, doesn't look ready for the Premier League. Like in terms of he's doing fine in training, but obviously he came in at the same time as Murillo and Murillo mm. hit the ground running, looked a million dollars. Omar Bamadeli, I think from what I've heard, looks fine, but he's not. Well, when did he come down. in? Apologies for sounding ignorant with this. When did he come in? Deadline day from Norwich. And he's, all, and and he's played for his country, hasn't he? He's a regular for his country, but... So, um, so why, why, why A, is he that far off playing in the Premier League and B... Uh, it's yeah, like I, 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 I understand the kind of that sense of buying a player and 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 being able to develop and 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 getting something off the other end of it, but it's so I I just don't get that. I mean, did, was he not what they thought he was once he was in the door? Well, I think it's like the Andre Santos deal. Like we signed him; he's obviously a good player, but then in front of him, he's got Mangala, Dominguez, Sangare, Ryan Yates. Uh, probably another one I'm missing, Koyate. Mm. Mm. And then with Omar Bamadeli, he's got Niakate, Murillo was overtaking him, Willie Bolly, Felipe, Joe Worrell, Scott McKenna. This is a, a forest recruitment issue, I think, really. It's like, 
we have so many players that we're blocking the pathway for some of them. Yeah. Uh, then, then, you know, someone's mentioned Jonathan Panzo in the comments. We sign these players, go but all the way back to Lower Cambeso. We spent like four million quid on him, and he's never kicked a ball for us. And like Temps was saying uh, uh, on Thursday or Friday, we don't get money on the pitch. Like we have mm. all these players, John Joe Shelby, or yeah. uh, you know, that, I mean, that was Emmanuel down. Dennis. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We signed. I these forgot, players I forgot Emmanuel Dennis was there. Yeah. He, he was. We, I was chatting about it the other day. We were talking about the, that Watford side with him and um, Ishmael Assage, while Pedro, people like that. And you kind of went, Dennis was the first one out the door out of their best players, or what mm. everyone thought were their best players. And and then what? And again, again, this is me not not poacher turned gamekeeper, being a former player, slate and current players at all. If if and if you get bought and you get paid well, great. But. Again, it goes back to what we've discussed at length on here on, on several times with regards to recruitment. So, weeding back to the question about AFCON, Forest have got about 70 players. So, six going to AFCON. They should be absolutely fine. Got 41 players. Three are on my own point. But that's hmm. 41 players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Three don't belong to us. Three are in on loan. 41 yeah. players. I mean, Nuno must be just looking in training going, right, we're going to play a tournament today, lads. Six teams. Whoever wins gets a chance to play on a Saturday. That's it's just madness. Yeah, I mean, t- ten of them are away on loan, but then they're going to come back. So what are you going to do with them? I think Froiler, It seems like he's probably going to go to Bologna. Like I was reading when he signed, we said he was obliged to go on a per at the end of the season. Bologna's website said there's an option, so there's a bit of even confusion mm. there. But yeah, what like what are we going to do with Emmanuel Dennis in the summer and all all of these players that Nuno is going to look at? We need to ship them out. And we'll come on to FFP later in this, but you know, as we've said, you've got the recruitment policy has got to be refined to get more money on the pitch. And we'd have, we've already got a good squad, but we could have. It makes me feel like we could have had a better squad or a better starting eleven if we'd really find the composite should exactly that. Absolutely right. Instead of if you laser guide who's there and what's there, I think given the names that we've mentioned, there is a, there is an, an extremely competitive first 11 slash 15 players there to compete in the mm. Premier League. Absolutely. And not just because of money that's been spent, but because of the players that we're talking about and that we've seen in fits and starts. So that, um, again, it, it, it dovetails into when we spoke about Coops leaving and, and, and Nuno coming in and what's the expectation of this season. The expectation of this season, come, come away from the cup competitions for a minute, but the league is obviously consolidation and being as safe and as high away from the bottom three as possible and then hopefully you've got a summer there where there can be a real kind of regrouping and, and a real sense of trimming the, the fat off off a squad that the leaner it is the hungrier that it is and seeing what Nuno's done in the past with the type of squad that he wants should be something to get really excited about but there's a, a few months of uh, hard work between now and then isn't there yeah Nuno had his 23 players at Wolves and he probably only used 16 or 17 of them regularly and Lewis has been on here and said the same that managers really want their 16 and then and then a few peripheral ones to come in and you probably experienced that perhaps as a player as well they have their trusted group and I think we need Big to get peripheral. towards that <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you know. Um, right clock's ticking so uh, we'll move on I want to discuss the Blackpool goals get Prutz's take on them and our goals as well obviously but I don't know we were discussing Vlacodimos so we'll just do him in general, Pruz. Mm-hmm. Could he have done anything better for either goal? Because I've seen the highlights back now yeah. properly, and I actually think he could. 
for one of them. But what was your take on it? The, the first goal, I think there's an element of everyone getting taken surprise, which shouldn't be the case. When late runners come into the box, when players, when you start talking about first, second and third phase of football, the, the, there's always got to be reaction instincts. Of always, someone's got always got to smell a bit of trouble. And if you're looking around in the box, your own 18-yard box, and you're not next to someone, then uh, that's when alarm bells should be ringing. So the fact that you've got, a player that's been able to ghost into a position where it's a relatively free header, very well taken header, mind, which I then think means that the goalkeeper is put in a position where he's got no chance really because it's it's a well taken header down to to his right hand side, um, and it's it's past him in a second. The second one we discussed last night when you texted me about what we were going to chat about, and just really curious movement from the goalkeeper. I've obviously never played in goal. Um, I've played with some good goalkeepers and some not so good goalkeepers. And I just really didn't realise what he was doing because that ball across, when that when the player gets into that position of real danger, is always going to get whipped across the box. It's not going to be one of those where it's an Aguero near post top corner type thing. So the fact that he goes to ground when the ball's nowhere near him in almost a, not an empty gesture, but almost a kind of a, a, a spin to get up and get to the back post, I just think negates his position in goal. Surely it'd be quick footwork across the goal to then get across to spread yourself at the back post where the ball eventually does go in to give yourself a fighting chance. I'm not saying you should save it. I'm just saying the build-up to that was just really, really curious from my point of view, from a positioning, from a, a goalkeeper bodily movement point of view. Um, and like I said, I'm not blaming him for the goal at all. I'm just saying that when you do break a goal down and try and work out the genesis of it, a position such as that, the goalkeeper puts himself in on the back foot on his knees, doesn't doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. That's a leaves a conundrum, doesn't it, Greg? Because Matt Turner, we can see what his floor is. It's you know with his feet. Otherwise, he's generally done well. I mean, he's let a couple in that he probably shouldn't have done, like that one where it's smashed through him. Uh, I can't remember Spurs. Uh, yeah, and then maybe Brentford, but generally his shot stopping has been okay. Kodimos has got the CV, the Champions League football, as someone said in the comments, the international football, but he saved less than 50% of his shots and hasn't looked the part at all. So so what do we do in that position? I mean, is it as simple as we have to go and buy someone else or do you go back to Turner? What do you think about it? No, I think you you play Vlad against uh, Blackpool and hope he has a much better game, which takes you into Brentford if we haven't signed another goalkeeper. Uh, Turner's shot-stopping is great, but Clubs know now, teams know that give it, make it go on his feet, make him kick it out, you know, put pressure on him and things will happen because it's happened too many times, unfortunately. Uh, the goals yesterday were poor, especially the second one, like Brooks says. I mean, I, I can't understand why he, he dived when he did, but I think you've got to you've got to start him again against Blackpool and that might be one of the positives about having this replay, you know, get him some more game time because... Like you say, he's got the CV. Maybe it's just times on the pitch. Uh, so, yeah, get him in goal against Blackpool. Hope he has a good game and take that into Brentford if we haven't signed another goalkeeper, which you'd hope would be on the top of the list. But with the amount of players we already have and the amount of goalkeepers we already have that probably aren't keen to go elsewhere at the minute, it might be a real struggle. Yeah, that's a good point. I had considered that about the replay. Yeah, play him again and see how he does. But and perhaps we're not pinning the goals on the Codemos, obviously, because... Mm. The first goal, Montiel heads it straight out really poorly. The second goal, you can look at Joe Worrell not stopping across effectively and not yeah, tracking definitely. runners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there was more to it, certainly. Mm. 
evening it on the keeper. Um, our goals, Greg. I mean, they, the first one I thought was really well worked. We hadn't manufactured much space, but then Wood does well, and Montiel. That's what I said. I think he had a great game. He stood up a nice cross, and Dominguez shows that he's he can get four or five goals from midfield this season. Hopefully, doesn't he? Yeah, and again, you know the header again as well, isn't it? And um, I think that's something we miss. We've had the odd player that can do that, and it skies over the ball. So it was, it was just a very well built goal. Uh, you know, there were two excellent goals. Obviously, we'll get on to the second one, but um, it was just refreshing to see it going because the amount of times we do that build up play and. You know, and then it's squandered or it's, you know, spins off someone's head and goes a mile over or doesn't even reach the goal. So we're clearly working on it and it's clearly getting better and better. And we seem to be scoring that similar style goal now. So, um, yeah, it was a good goal. One of the small highlights of yesterday, really. Uh, someone says there's only 20 likes on the video and there's over 400 people watching. So do us a favour and hit like if you can. That does make a big difference to getting more people to see it. We'd really appreciate that. Um, does Morgan Prutz look like kind of the player last season? You know, you could see he had a swagger. This is my team. Hmm. This is my um, attacking unit. Does he look more like that now when you see him smashing one in the top corner to back up what he did against Man U? That's a great goal, isn't it? It's a wonderful goal. Um, and something that we all know that Morgan is more than capable of not saying he needs to do it every single week but that type of impact on a game whether it's a goal such as that whether it's one from inside the box whether it's dominating proceedings in dangerous parts of the park I think that hopefully there is a, an element of that um, the boss that's come in seems to understand what he wants from someone like Morgan and sometimes like we say a, a new voice a new set of ears to to listen to potentially what Morgan wants from the team and what the team wants from him, um, can do both player and and the the squad the world are good. So, again, take into account the team that they're playing, he should be be able to unlock a team such as Blackpool. Um, but broadly, is the consistency that's needed from him is I think the, the been the main bugbear. Sometimes I've seen comments about the tricks and the flicks and the, the needless kind of. Um, flamboyance, which I absolutely do get being a player that was absolutely the, the opposite end of what flamboyance would be. When you did see that and it didn't come off, you just kind of go, What are you doing? Let's, I mean, it's percentage football in this in this instance with where Forrest are. Um, I think there is hopefully that sense of Morgan getting back towards, as you say, that that I don't know. And, and it, when you say confidence player, it doesn't mean to say that he goes into his shell when it comes to things not going the way. Sometimes it's about having that ego and everyone's got ego that steps on a football pitch to be able to go and try the things that change games, but also do it in a responsible way of trying the things that have got more of a chance of changing games than something that is a needless flick 45 yards from goal, which is going to do nothing really. You want him in those positions on the edge of the box, in and around the 18-yard box where he can damage the opposition. And I think for him, it'll do in the world of good being able to draw um, confidence from that. And again, just it's just transferring that back into what is possible in the Premier League off the back of seeing what happens in the replay. Um, let's move on to the other topic I wanted to discuss away from the game. Oh, and someone's asking when the replay is. I haven't seen a confirmed date for it, but it'll be next week at some point, probably Tuesday or something like that. Um, FFP will find out, uh, I think it's on Sunday or Monday, about any club that's been charged by the Premier League. And Forest seems to be, as we've discussed reportedly in line for that. I wanted to get your take, Prots, because you played for Leeds when they had a 15-point mm. deduction. And I guess when you were at uh, Coventry, 
Sheffield Wednesday and Forest, of course. I think you were sold to, you know, partly to free up some cash as well. So you played for clubs with a bit of a, a cloud over them. I'm not obviously that's not the case at Forest. They've got the cash, but there is this uncertainty yeah. around what's going on. Hmm. Um, will that filter through to the players based on your experience? Well, the I think what we experienced at Leeds was the kind of extreme end, end of that wedge. So in admin, um, talks across pre-season about what could possibly happen. It then happening two days before the start of the season was the FA's take on it, or well, the EFL's take on it was a 15-point deduction before you'd, you'd even kicked a ball. So there was a, re- there was a real galvanising effect on what our season could have been. Um, so we went into it completely on our arse in, in more ways than one. Um, and we all were able to, listen, someone's about to knock on the door here. The dog's going to go mental. <laughs> what a stream we put out for people today. Sorry, yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, well, maybe not. It's some, Someone's put up a really splash car, which looks out of place in North Yorkshire. Um, and it's definitely not mine, I'll tell you that. Um, so it had a real, it had a real galvanising effect on the team. But that was pre-season. And we were a bunch of misfits anyway. It come off the back of being at Forest, and we all know how that second portion at Forest uh, went, don't we? Um, See, so look. Um, so then it becomes um, that us against the world, which set us in good stead. And we got all the way through the season, got to the player final, lost against Doncaster. It's there for all to watch if you're remotely bothered about how not to play in a in a, in a major domestic final in at Wembley. But from Forest's point of view, and given what we've seen happen to Everton as well. They've got to be obviously very, very wary of it. You can't change it if, if, if you catch it from a footballing point of view. You are there and paid to make sure that you are um, part of a, of a functioning team that claws back any points differential that's placed on you, any any kind of um, sanctions that are imposed. You've got to do your job on the pitch. And sometimes there's a there's a nice little cocoon that occurs when you. It is very simplified. You've got to start winning football matches. We need the points back. And sometimes that can really kind of laser guide ambition, momentum and focus. Um, hopefully we're talking about this in a hypothetical sense, which then doesn't come to fruition. Uh, and having, having looked at the intricacies of it, and I, I, we, Matt and I were chatting yesterday as I was trying to touch base with Kieran Maguire, who was very, very, very good on stuff like this. Unfortunately, he is on holiday. Otherwise, he would have joined us, wouldn't he, Matt? Um, and it doesn't sound remotely straightforward. Maybe that's because my brain's only very small, but... That it it comes away from what the footballers are there to do, which is to perform at their absolute optimum. I I, I think footballers inherently are quite selfish, in a good and a bad way, because that's how you become a footballer. But which then means that you just go right, blinkers on. It's about the game. Blinkers on. It's about the game. And that maybe simplifies it for Nuno. There might be questions potentially from players about the position that they found themselves in. Going back to the Leeds setup, it was literally about being paid. Are you going to get your wages? Which, from the sounds of it, this is a different thing. And again, that's possibly painting players in a in a bad light. But no one's saying to the players there might be a points deduction, but you also might not get paid at the end of the month. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there is, there is a bit of a difference with that. And, I, and I'm trying to be as brutally honest as I possibly can because you look at like a Reading having to forego wages. You look at teams such as that where Wednesday crawl into the next month as they have done at times in the past where where that is, a, that is a very different beast, potentially, to what this could be. N- neither option is remotely um, uh, easily digestible. Um, but one, I think, 
keeps the players focused, and that would be something like a point sanction to to then say, well, we're going to deduct you between this and that. Then you've got to get on with it, and then you've got to get those points clawed back. But while we're waiting, I suppose the point I want to also find out is: Do you think the players discuss it much in the dressing room? Are they are they completely parked here? Will the coaching staff have parked it until they know what's happening, or um, will it be a worry? I'd go concern, not worry. I'd go topic of conversation, not worry. I'd say that it would be something that would be discussed only because, as well, because we've got the, such a recent example of it with Everton, haven't we? Um, and, re- and regardless of what you think is right, wrong, harsh, uh, over the top, it has happened to them. They've reacted to it positively. And it, I think there's an appeal still ongoing with that. Um, so th- there's, there's, there's plenty of it that can be concerning, I think, is the question. I mean, the, 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 you look at it from the point of view of if you are watching this and you go to the city ground every other week, you watch the team on the road, and you look at what potentially could be um, sanctioned and how it could look. So if, if you suddenly chuck, I don't know, what, 10 points, 10 points at a, a Premier League team in Forest position, which is 15th and they're on 20 now, 10 points basically quite literally chucks you into the bottom three, doesn't it? And, and I'm not saying 10 points is, the, is, is, is what is potentially in the offing. I'm just going off what Everton have, have had to deal with which then puts your season into emergency mode of got to stay up, got to stay up, got to stay up. And whether it comes with um, money that's lost in championship seasons or Premier League seasons, or if you can move around how much money Brennan's brought into the club, I honestly don't know, um, that then gets you away from a potential point sanction, then then happy days for a Forest fan. But that that's, that's when it becomes a real... Um, concern and a worry for the for the fans because it's been it's been a club that I think broadly we've all we've all been quite happy with the running of it. Yes, potential about players and recruitment and all that type of stuff. But those days of Forest feeling a little bit wobbly financially seem a very, very long time ago now, don't they? So to be in a position where FFP comes in or is or is it is looked at with regards to how Forest have used it and then they get stung for it, I think yeah, probably probably reminds a certain generation of Forest fans about darker days that they thought had gone. Yeah, I suppose the thing about FFP now is um, it's not around can uh, the owner finance the football club? We know mm-hmm. he can. He's got the money, he wants to spend it. It's like FFP now stifles that spending and there's intricacies of it, whether it's right or wrong. And I do think it's set up to fix not fix, aid or support the top six, uh, You know, maintaining their position, really. But we have to work within the framework. So, um... you do, you do. I mean, it, it's such a tough thing. And Greg, I'd love to take get your proper diehard fans' take on it because we, we were uh, acronyms like FFP and, and and statements of profit and sustainability and and kind of profit and turnover. All these things. That, I mean, if you are from a business background, you you're listening to this going, well, yeah, that's just part of how business works. But if you're from a footballing background, that's that's how these things can really confuse and and I mean confuse in the purest sense, not because we're thick, but confused because it does seem so intricate. You look at, like I said, Everton, you hear about charges at Manchester City. You look at Chelsea. Um, you look at teams in different divisions across the board about uh, falling foul of 
situations such as this. Rules have to be in place to make sure that the financial good of the clubs and the game is is is, health, is robust and healthy enough. But I do understand, and, and I'm not giving anyone any answers here because I don't know myself, but I do understand how confusing it can look when you are looking around going, well, where's this come from? I'm sorry, so that's got to do with that. Like the Everton one talking about stuff related to the way the, the stadium's funded and sponsorship deals for the stadium. You're kind of going, well, what's that got to do with football? Well, it's got a lot to do with football because it's the football club as a business rather than what it's on the pitch. So, like I said, I've got no answers. I can only say from the players' point of view is if they're worth any salt, they'll be doing what they're there to do. Professional footballers run around trying to salvage as many points as possible. But the the intricacies and the dark corridors, both literally and figuratively, that, that are there in, in, in football clubs are so hard to understand and, and fathom out and get to the bottom of that I, I, you, sometimes you just sit there scratching your head, don't you? The frustrating thing for me is the fact that, as a, a you know you, a fan like myself, you um you only seem to care about things when it hits. So financial fair play, suddenly I know some of the things about it, and you know like the fact that you go one million pounds over, it's six points. You think that's like ten quid in football terms, isn't it? It's ridiculous the margins. Um, but then you look at Manchester City and you say, well, they've had like one hundred and twelve charges against them for so many years now, but because they're lawyered up to the teeth, it's like, well, they get away with it, they get away with it. And I know it'll catch up with them eventually, uh, but because they're... Pardon? If they're guilty. If they're guilty, maybe, yeah. Yeah, well, I think. Um, But the other thing is like, um, yeah, Forest may be in breach. We might well be in breach, but if you are in breach of it, it's going to be this year. Like, where's that come from? <laughs> Suddenly, like, we're going to be the first in line to things have changed and moved. So, oh, yeah, if you are guilty of it, we're going to do you this year, where usually teams get two or three years down the line, like Everton have, and maybe you get done then. So, it goes back to the days of Leicester not paying the milkman and getting away with it. <laughs> it just seems it's, uh, it's bad timing on our part if we have breached it. And if we have, it's going to be very close by the sounds of it. Um, six points for £1 million over. Wow, you're going to need as good as an accountant in your squad as you are a footballer in the future because, you know, £1 million is nothing in football. It's, yeah. I mean, it's not, like you say, I mean, it's, it's a hell of a lot of money to us normal people, but in football. Yeah. And, and going off what I said about speaking to Kieran, so he came back to me saying, based on his rough, rough and ready calculations, Forrest just correcting under the limit the season they were promoted. Under the rules, they're assessed over a three-year period. For each season in the Championship, you're allowed to lose £30 and for each in the Premier League, 35 Therefore, for the three years ending 13th of June 2023, two times 13, one times 35 equals £61 million. Infrastructure costs, promotion bonuses, academy, community and women's teams costs are included. Forest spent heavily in 22-23, so not a lot of spare room, but a lot will depend on how much they paid out in wages and whether or not the Johnson sale to Spurs on the 1st of September can be included in the 2022-23 calculations. That is as broad. That is that is as as kind of detailed a framework as I can offer you with regards to this. Because I, mean, I, I don't know whether where you can put Brennan Sale in. I don't know how that works with regards to moving bits and bobs around what is allowed in that sense. Um, so, like I said, it, it then it then becomes this this huge kind of Wizard of Oz type figure where FFP is looming. And maybe you pull the curtain back and go, well, this is not as bad as we thought. I mean, mm-hmm. stuff stuff could have been a bit more straightforward, but we've got through it and people are fine and all the boxes have been ticked. Or as Greg says, suddenly you turn around and say, well, we didn't like that, we didn't like that, we didn't like that. These are all wrong, equals this amount of points. So um, 
so yeah, I, I just like I said, it's a part of football that it, for greater minds than mine, and and I just find it confusing and and um and and really kind of um one that you've really got to sit and think and work out and break it down because there's there's a lot of chatter about it. Get on, get yourself on Twitter. Everyone's got an answer on there, but until they've actually come out and, and showed you the findings, you, you everyone's kind of in the dark with it, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, well, we don't know the answer. We have to wait and see. There's kind of two debates, which we can't... Firstly, we can't answer the one, have we breached FFP? We just have to wait and see. And then there's the second one, are the rules around FFP right when you've got an owner who wants to spend the money but has been restricted in doing so? And, you know, does it aid the bigger clubs, et cetera, et cetera? Well, that, that's, that's, that's the big debate with... Sorry to put in, Matt, when <clears throat> everyone's looking at Newcastle United going, well, they're going to be the next super club because of what Manchester City and Chelsea did. The rules around... Finance, financing football clubs have been tweaked, haven't they? So in theory, the, the domination and the foundation that, that first Chelsea be, uh, uh, created and then Manchester City, it was it was on a different playing field which allowed this type of thing to build. Whereas Newcastle's slightly different. I'm not saying for any second, anyone feel remotely spot, uh, sorry for Newcastle United not being able to spend billions of pounds because they've got it. I'm just saying that it's not as strong as it, as straightforward as people are making out. Oh well, they're owned by these people now, so they 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 therefore should be in the Champions League every single year, trying to get uh, hunt down the Premier League title every single year. I, I don't think it would be as straightforward for them as it as it has looked for the likes of Manchester City. Mm. I mean, you'd never get another Blackburn Rovers now, would you? Because you can't go and spend all the money. Like it's just that the game's changed, which is what I mean. Like it's hard to break into that top six and mm. and stay there. Certainly, Brighton are probably doing it the best way. But um, yeah, right. I think we'll leave it there because uh, it's such an intricate subject <laughs> and we haven't answered any of it really. But we'll wait until Sunday or Monday to uh, find out the answer and then we'll take it from there. Cross that bridge when we come to it if we need to. Uh, thanks for everyone who's watched along. Very much appreciated. Lots of you in the comments, almost 500 with us uh, after a pretty dour 2-2 draw in the FA Cup, which is great. So like I always say, and like and subscribe if you can. That video wasn't going to play then. Yeah. So how many uh, likes have we had? Really appreciate it. Get like, get your likes. likes I can't see. I can see how many people are watching. Yeah, yeah. It does help. I don't know why, but it does help. (laughs) Glad you asked. It's engagement, isn't it? That's what it is. It's that's what it is. I mean, there was a a question in the comments which was quite pertinent when it comes to engagement on Twitter and questions being asked and people's opinions, which I'm going to go absolutely nowhere near. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that's (laughs) what it is. Content and engagement, mate. That's that's the world we live in. Exactly. It's all algorithms. That's how the world runs now. So help my algorithms like getting this video in people's feeds. That'd be great. Uh, Greg, any other business before we depart? Always, yeah. I thought your dog Always. was going to sound a little bit more vicious, if I'm honest. Brooks, was it? Like cockapoo or something? Or... It's, no, it's a Springer Spaniel. Yeah, so it's not uh, a bull no, Nice dogs. Or, or, yeah, any, nice dogs. Any of the ones that, are, that need to have muzzles now. I know I live up yeah. north, but we're not that bad. Like, <laughs> people roaming around with a, a sinker state, like sat on sofas out the front with big bulldogs <laughs> spitting on people. Uh, no, it's very, yeah, very, I'd say genteel. It's mad as a box of frogs and doesn't listen to me, just like most people in this house. Yeah. <laughs> so my, um, any other business, I've got some uh, music again. And I've been meaning to shout out this artist for ages. She used to work in the Forest Club shop and her name's Lily Clarkson and she's got an EP out called Fleeting Things. It's dead chilled out. It's dead nice for a Monday morning. I just listened to it on my on my dog walk, actually. So, uh, yeah, give her a listen. I'll retweet her um, 
EP uh, after this yeah. show. Very good, very good. Prots, anything from you before we part? Anything, to anything from me? Uh, no, it's nice to be back on. Glad to see that he's doing well. Um, there's a there's a, 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 a fellow that works at Sky. I say works at Sky. Several rungs above me. Uh, a very, very powerful man. A very lovely fellow as well. A boss of a boss of a boss of a boss who listens to the podcast uh, and thought it was very funny that you called me Ryland. So well done for that, mate. Thank you very much. <laughs> good. Glad that people Sky is taking note. Yeah, good. <laughs> right. I've got one. Now this goes back to before Christmas. I never check Instagram DMs for the uh, for the podcast camp. There was one. There's too many of you. Is that, that, that what it is? Yeah. I had to answer them all. <laughs> this one's from Maya Smith, who lives in New Zealand. She asked if we'd give a shout out for her dad as a Christmas present, and it's January the eighth. So I've obviously failed badly. Awful. Orthodox Christmas. Yeah, That's in the seventh. Richard Smith, who was born in Langley, Langley Mill, been a Forest fan for over 40 years, but they moved to New Zealand, which obviously restricts the amount of games they can attend considerably. Wow. But a shout out for Richard Smith and all the people who listen all around the world. I know we have people in New Zealand, Australia, America, Slovakia or something like that, Denmark. Uh, North York. Slovakia is a country. You, you said that like you've <laughs> never heard of Slovakia. Slovakia. Former Baltic states. Slovakia, former Baltic states. I don't know. Oh, yeah. God, don't go down there. I just don't know. Don't know the answer. <laughs> right, we should end it there. Thanks for everyone who's watched along. Uh, we'll be back with something tomorrow or uh, Wednesday with David Jackson. We'll have a chat with him from Radio Nottingham anyway. Greg, thank you very much. Cheers, Matt. 182 likes, apparently. 182 likes. Oh, there you go. Danish Red in the comments, yeah. Love it. Brooks, thank you very much. Pleasure. Lovely to see you both and to engage with everyone who's been commenting. It's been lovely. Yes. I'm going to go and edit the first three minutes of this video heavily, uh, which will take up a while. (laughs) That's my own fault for picking the wrong mic. So thanks for everyone's patience. Uh, Have a good day, and we shall see you soon. Podcast Network.